Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Welcome to Go For It. I'm your host, Paul Gannon, for the next 90 minutes. We're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And of course, as always, you'll get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call 646 727 3070. 646 727 3070. Get listed to show blog talk radio.com slash pcant. Send messages to the show on Twitter at GoForCant. And while you're there, at GoForCant on Twitter, give me a follow. G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by one of the stars of Surviving Compton. Dre, Shug, and Michelle A. Actor, Curtis Hamilton, who played Dr. Dre in that particular movie. Also, Philadelphia Eagles defensive end Stephen Means will be joining us. And uh, Stephen plays for the Eagles. And Stephen was one of the guys um, during the Chicago game, before the Chicago game, during the national anthem, along with Malcolm Jenkins, I believe Ron Brooks as well, had the fist in the air during the national anthem. But uh, Stephen obviously is a guy who's going to tell us about some of the things he's done in the community since then. And also is going to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles two-game losing streak. Might be three after this week against the Minnesota Vikings. But we're going to talk to him about that and talk to him about the tough Vikings coming to town. As we go throughout these 90 minutes, we're going to talk a little uh, Josh Brown. Sad story, sad situation. Talk about what we saw Thursday night in the National Football League. A um, little MLB as well. So we got a lot to get to in a short time to get there. So let's start with Josh Brown. New York Giants kicker Josh Brown, I mean, it's come out that he's abused his wife multiple times, a bunch of times. I mean, court doc, there's some documents that came out. And, and here's the thing. First and foremost, Josh Brown got that one-game suspension. And when – when it comes to this domestic violence thing, obviously it's not a good look for the NFL. Not a good look, period. I mean, it's it's it's, it's a cowardly move to lay your hands on a woman as a man. That's not what men do. And so, you know, I, here's the problem, man. Here's the problem. It, it seems like guys, individuals, people, you need a video. The only way you know domestic violence 
it's out there is through a video. That's what you need. You need a video, otherwise you don't believe anything. You people need videos. I mean, that's what happened with the whole Ray Rice situation. When Ray Rice and, and, and that situation with his wife, and obviously it was a bad situation. Wasn't a good one at all. And, you know, there was outrage already with that. Then you guys saw the video, and then you went crazy. Greg Hardy. There, all, there was a level of outrage about that. You guys see the video, and you go crazy. Now, when it comes to this whole situation with Josh Brown, you have words, but you have no video. You have no pictures. So you really don't really care like that about that, do you? Not really. You, you, I mean, you, you people out there with this full outrage, this full outrage, this fake outrage. You know, this fake like you care. This this fake like how appalled and upset you are about domestic violence in America. You know, it's it's ridiculous. And you get so frustrated, you get you get so you know self-righteous. I mean, you get all these things. When when you when you see video, when you see pictures, that's the only way you react. That's the only time you react is when you see videos and when you see pictures. Come on. Crazy. So, but if I look at statistics, one out of four women here in the United States has been a victim of severe physical violence by intimate partner. So, <laughs> that's that's twenty four twenty. That's twenty five percent. So, 25% of women have been hit on, beat on, abused. And so on and so forth. But now, <laughs> you see, you don't react to that. You don't care about that. Because you don't see video. You don't see pictures. So if you don't see videos, you don't see pictures, you don't think it exists. Stop. You know what's out there. You know women who've gotten abused. So you guys, and I'm saying you guys, because I was one who I didn't have the type of outrage that you guys have when, when Ray Rice did his thing and when Greg Hardy did his thing and, and now even when Josh Brown did his thing. Don't get me wrong. It, it, it's something that is dead wrong. It is something that shouldn't be tolerated in any sense, in any form, in any way. I don't want nobody beating on my daughter. So it's something that I don't tolerate. It, 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 it's something, in my opinion, that's just wrong, dead wrong. We all know it's wrong, but it's dead wrong. You have no right putting your hands on a woman. These are big football. These are football players, man. Come on. Even though Josh Brown's a kicker, he's probably has some strength. But anyway, you guys in this fake outrage. Now, do I believe? Josh Brown should never get an opportunity in the National Football League again. I think he should. I think if he goes through the proper channels to get the proper help to become a better person, 
I think most definitely he should get another opportunity. I've been calling on Ray Rice to get another opportunity. I called on Greg Hardy to get another opportunity. So I'm not one of these guys who, who are saying these guys should never play again, this, that, and what have you, should be kicked out of the league and all that. Obviously, a lot of you fans are out there beating on women as well. You are probably one of the four. Some of you are one of the four. So you need to look at yourself before you start to look at others. Make sure your own backyard is clean before you lay eyes on another man's backyard. And that's not absolving Ray Rice or Greg Hardy. It's not at all. But what I'm saying is, how are you as an individual, as a man, as a person out there, you know, bumping your chest out, bumping your gums, and, and, and you know, coming hard at, at Ray Rice and, and Greg Hardy when one out of four of you have laid hands on a woman. So, come on, stop it. But anyway, when you have a situation when, when one of your owners of the Giants, they know what was going on. You know, they had to call NFL security at the Pro Bowl to get him and to protect this woman. I mean, come on. And then you have this particular situation, even though it didn't go much, it didn't go further, didn't go very far at all. I believe that the charges were dropped. And so while the charges were dropped, you know, you knew that Josh Brown was not above all this. You, you, you knew it. You knew it. And as far as I'm concerned, it's a bad look for the New York Giants. It's a bad look. And here, back on August 20th, Josh Brown already know, knew, he already wrote it, he already said it, that he laid hands on his wife. But, but here's what Josh Brown had to say on August 20th. He said, while I'm not okay with the decision, and this was the decision to get a one-game suspension, I have to respect it. And they was asked how it felt to have his name attempt, uh, excuse me, attached to a domestic violence charge. He said, is it good? No, it's not. So, <laughs> come on. And then you got Ben McAdoo coaching the New York Giants at the time. This was August 20th. Quote, I do support Josh as a man, a father, and a player. We treat these situations on a case-by-case case basis. I mean, come on. And so you just look at this whole situation, man, and I'm like, wow. This is like crazy. And, and the double standards and the triple standards and any other standard. You know, it, it's just so hypocritical. So hypocritical. So hypocritical what's going on. So, 
so, so hypocritical. The NFL, this, this is all you need to know. The NFL, I think it's very evident. I think it's very obvious that the NFL does not care about domestic violence. The, the NFL doesn't care about domestic violence. It's not important to them. It, it, it's something that just gets in the way of business for them. They don't care. The Giants knew he was a domestic abuser. Still sign this man. Still sign this man. So his wife was reluctant. Only reason that it didn't go through the charges, that is, is because his his ex-wife was was reluctant to go with go anywhere with it. The league knew what Josh Brown was about. NFL security knew what Josh Brown was about. But just like they did with the whole Ray Rice thing, and they tried to just throw it under a rug. You know, and, and here, here's my thing. When I look at the Ray Rice thing, I thought first and foremost, based off of what happened with his wife going back with him and everything and his standing within the community, I thought it was I thought a two game suspension at the time was okay. I thought it was. But then I know the NFL obviously once the video came out, they had to do some things. And you know, they had to do some things. So basically at this point, Josh Brown is he got what Adrian Peterson got, where you know what Adrian Peterson had that situation where, you know, he wasn't allowed to play, but he still got paid. Like Greg Hardy, he wasn't allowed to play, but he still got played. Still got paid. Still got paid. Josh Brown is still getting paid. He's still gonna get paid. And so I, I was just tired of, of seeing you know, <laughs> he's on a commissioner's exempt list, to be exact. But I, I was just tired of, of just how people were just being self-righteous. I was tired about how people were were, were just going out there and, and, and just saying, you know, calling for these guys to never, ever be allowed in the league again. I want to see and hear the same type of treatment when it comes to Josh Brown. I want you to say that Josh Brown should never be allowed to play in the National Football League again. I want you to say that Josh Brown is a bad human being, that Josh Brown should never, ever, 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 ever be allowed on the football field again. I want to hear that because I sure heard it when it came to Greg Hardy. I sure heard it. When it came to Ray Rice, like when I when it came to those two guys, I see a lot. Heard a lot of people, you know, you know, bumping their gums. I heard a lot of people, chest all poked out, and saying these guys should never play again. I heard it all. Heard it all. But I want to hear it again. If I don't. I'm going to question you. I'm going to question whether or not you like African-Americans. I'm going to question that. And I think it's a legitimate question.
because you guys were so in the forefront just slam slapping their chest and banging their chest and banging the drums and, and, and saying these guys shouldn't get another chance. Greg Hardy got another chance. Didn't work out too well for him. And Ray Rice still sniffing, still, still, still looking, still searching, still crawling around, looking for an opportunity. Can't get an opportunity. Married to his wife. You know, doing some has done things in the community. Seemingly a good guy. Now you you guys don't want no part of his name is dirt to a lot of you. His name is mud to a lot of you. <laughs> I can't. I, I, I can't. It's, it's just, it's so hypocritical. It's so hypocritical. And we thought maybe the league may have turned the corner in terms of domestic violence. They haven't. And I think here's the bottom line. The NFL doesn't care about domestic violence. Here's a little secret for you. They don't care. They only care when it affects the bottom line. That's the only time they care. And so for you to ever, ever, ever think that the National Football League or any other corporation in America cares about domestic violence, you would be so, it's just so naive if you believe that the NFL cares. It's so naive, childlike, if you think the National Football League cares about domestic violence. They should, but they don't. And this is Exhibit 8000 on why the NFL doesn't care about domestic violence. The funny thing is... (laughs) I haven't heard this much out, out, outrage. Can't even talk. But I haven't heard so much outrage. Uh, I heard so much outrage when it came to Colin Kaepernick and peacefully protesting. Peacefully protesting. And I heard so much outrage about that. Pales in comparison to what I'm hearing about Josh Brown. You, you think about that. You think about that. Peacefully protesting. Peacefully. And by the way, the military paid the NFL money so these players could be out there during the national anthem standing on the sideline. Because that wasn't done before. It's about money, man. All about money. But you people, you get so upset with Colin Kaepernick. You get so angry with Colin Kaepernick. Some of you won't even want to uh, uh, calling death threats against Colin Kaepernick. But what are you doing about Josh Brown? What are you saying about Josh Brown? I'm not hearing many. I'm not hearing many. Not as much as I heard for Colin Kaepernick. Most definitely not as much as I heard for Ray Rice and Greg Hardy. You think about that. Colin Kaepernick was, was protesting what he believed was, you know, unfair treatment for a group of people. This was America. This is America, right? I thought we were supposed to treat people, you know, good, uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and 
you know, we, every man's created equal and all that stuff. I thought we were supposed to treat people with respect and judge people on the content of their character, not their color. So we care about symbols more than we care about people. Colin Kaepernick was, was protesting, uh, you know, brutalities against African-Americans by some police. Not all police are bad, but there are some out there who are. And let me be clear about that. They're not all bad. There's some good ones out there, a lot of good ones. Unfortunately, there's some bad ones. There's more, a whole lot more good than bad. But he's trying to bring attention to it to say not, not to say that this country is a bad country. He's doing it to say this country is good, but could be better. We all could be better. Especially you, you, you guys who, who just bump your gums and everything else, but don't care about what's going on. Don't care what's going on, you know, with, with police brutality. Don't care what's going on about any of those things. You focusing on that, the protests, instead of focusing on what's going on and the atrocities against African-Americans by certain cops. Some cops, not all cops. So you, you think about that. And get back to me. Right? Thank you. But we're going to bring in a guy now who's fed off Eagles at this point in time. Got off to a three and zero start, beat the Steelers. You know, everybody was was Carson Wentz off to a great start. Didn't have any interceptions until two weeks ago against the Lions. But the Eagles have now lost two straight. But they're looking to get back to their winning ways. Sam Bradford returns to Philadelphia, and we're going to bring in Stephen Means. Stephen Means was one of the guys who tried to bring attention to some of the atrocities and, and some of the you know the, the mistreatment of some African Americans in the inner city by police officers. So he talked about that as well and and what he has done to help change things. Let's bring him in now. Defensive end for the Philadelphia Eagles, Stephen Means. Stephen, how are you? Doing good, man. What's up? How you doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. And Stephen, I look at this team, the first three weeks on the defensive end, this team shut down. They were shutting teams down. You know, you held still to three points. Last two weeks, a much different story. Lions, Redskins were able to move the ball very well, score a bunch of points, and ultimately win the game. What's going on with the Eagles defense? Um, I mean, you got to give credit to those teams. They, they did a great job uh, game planning us and, you know, and all those. But we just, we just, we just uh, you know, we got a lot of self-reflective wounds that we got to clean up and that we will clean up. And I don't have no, you know, no doubt about it. We'll be right back to our old self uh, in no time. Let me ask you this. I, I look at one of the reasons the Redskins were able to win on Sunday was their ability to run the ball over 200 yards rushing, and, and they were able to move the ball because they were able to run the ball. Uh, let me ask you this. Why do you think the Redskins were able to have so much success on the ground? Um, You know, they, they kind of uh, – schematically uh, was able to find, you know, scenes and, and we was out of fit in a couple, a couple of times, but, you know, like I said before, it was all self-inflicted um, things that we, we watched over today and, and it wasn't like we was out of a call or anything like that. We just, 
we, we just got to get back to the drawing board, get back to the basics, the fundamentals of what our defense is and, you know, everybody getting to their landmarks and everything like that. And we, we, we'd be fine. We looked at it and it wasn't nothing that, you know, was, was drawn up wrong. It was just uh, us needed to just get back to fundamentals and basics. So everything that we saw from the defense against the Lions and against the Redskins, you feel like these things could be easily corrected? Oh, yeah. As long, long as we get back to who we are, um, stay true to ourselves and just get back to, you know, the, the groundwork that we that we built this defense on and that Swartz built this defense on. How is it playing for Coach Jim Swartz? I mean, he's a fiery guy, emotional guy. <laughs> but what's it like playing for Coach Swartz? Oh, man, you, you can't even imagine it. Um, it it's, it's, it's probably one of the one of the greatest defenses I've been on. Um, and, and he he is the guy that will get you going no matter what. If it's the night before the game, the day of the game, and, uh, you know, he got a swagger about him that, that, that you kind of you kind of sense it in, and it kind of just give you that, that little bit of – that little boost you need because he's always on edge. And then, when you know, when it's game time, he's real quiet, but you look him in the eyes and you can tell he got that, that, that same feeling that you have before you go on the field. But um, – Real cool guy. Um, you know, he, he joke around a lot, but when it's time to get serious, he's all about business. For sure, and, and the defense has played much better than they did a year ago, and, but last two weeks has been a little bit of a struggle, but we'll see if they can turn around. We're talking to Eagles defensive end, Stephen Means, and Stephen, the Vikings are coming to town. The 5-0 and Vikings are coming to town. A very good football <laughs> team. Is there any panic in Philly? No, no type of panic. Definitely not over this way. Um I don't. I don't think nobody in our building is panicking. Um, we feel real confident in our football team. We know we're a great football team. Uh, we we stop, like I said, doing uh, having self-inflicted wounds, uh, penalties, uh, all that type of stuff. We we don't care who come into town. Uh, we know when we home, it's time to go to work, and we know we we can beat any team. And one of the reasons you guys have had so much success this year is your quarterback Carson Wentz. I mean. At the beginning of the year, we expected him to sit this whole thing out and ultimately have Sam Bradford start, but we know things change, trades were made, and, and all that good stuff. But are you surprised how well he's played thus far? Um, God is good. Um, he, he's a Christian man, a godly man. And, and uh, I mean, I'm not surprised because from since day one, he came in with, uh, with this confidence about him that, you know, he, he knew what he was doing. He was calm. He was confident. And he was willing to learn, and, and he grabbed on to everything real fast. And, you know, we gravitate toward him. He's a leader, and uh, he's willing to, you know, step in and, and do his job. So I'm, I'm not surprised at all, and I don't think nobody else in the, in the building is surprised either. How good can this guy be? I mean, we've seen some good stuff thus far. But moving forward, how good can Carson Wentz be? Look at him. I mean, first year um, – Coming in, and, and you you can see, you you can see the way he talks, the way the way his demeanor is. He want to learn more. He want to continue to learn. He want to continue to get better. So he's already good. There, there, I think the sky is the limit for him. He can continue to build and continue to build. And he got guys around him. You know, he got guys on the O line, whether it's uh, Kelsey or JP. You know, the the vets the vets on the O line. He got. Uh, Matt Jordan Matthews at wide receiver. That's always in his ear. Earth's always in his ear. You know, he got Sproles right behind him. You know, and then he got a great group of coaches right behind him too. Uh, him and Doug Peterson real close, and you know, it, it's just a great combination for him. 
We're talking the Eagles defensive end, Stephen Means. And one thing when you talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, their coach, Doug Peterson, seems to be a player's coach. What's it like playing for Coach Peterson? Oh, it's real cool, man. Um, you know, he – I mean, I, I done had some first-time uh, comeback coaches, you know, that, that would come back and be a head coach. And, um, you know, I kind of expected them to be real uptight and real – you know, on the fence about things, but it, that wasn't it. Since day one, he's been real cool, um, been understanding, and you know, he he he's exactly what you said. He's a player's coach. He's a coach that you want to go out there and win for, a coach that you want to play for, and a coach that you want to uh, win for, so he can continue to stay in the building. Now, let me ask you this: Obviously, the Vikings are coming to town. Sam Bradford and the Minnesota Vikings, five and zero, coming to town. A lot of people have the Minnesota Vikings winning this particular football game. What do you guys need to do to prove the doubters wrong? Um, I don't think proving anybody wrong um, up to this point will be uh, at one on top of our goal list at all. I think, like like I said before, getting back to our basics, and we we real confident in in our football team. When we go out there and we play our games, we're unstoppable. So as long as we play our game, the doubters will be proved wrong, period. Now, let me ask you this. You got Sam Bradford who's returning. He knows a little bit about the Eagle personnel. Do you think that gives the Vikings any type of an advantage? Um, I think, I think people, you know, um, we got, you got analytics, people that watch film. You got the coaches going over film, the players going over the players uh, watching film. So you can, you can watch as much film, gather as much information, uh, as teams have been doing. And the one thing that you can't do is you can't stop um, you can't stop a team that, that's that's going and steamrolling in their own way, in their own confidence. And, and that's us when we at our true and at our best. And, um, I mean, you can know the personalities about us. It's all the analytic people do. But, um, you know, it, it won't matter if we play in our defense if we play in our offense, if we, you know, balling out on special teams. If you play your defense, and we've seen this defense the first three weeks of the season, could this defense be one of the best defenses in football? Uh, yeah, we. I mean, we focus on one play at a time. So, you know, we, we want to be the best defense in that play. And then after the play, you know, then we go to the game. We want to be the best defense. We want to play our best game that game. And then next week we want to play even better than we played the previous week. And every it won't be perfect. So you have weeks that's off. But as long as you get back to it and you don't panic and you don't let everything get away from itself and, and let, let everything crumble, then, you know, we just pick it back up. And once we get back rolling, we, we, we know what we did wrong last time, so we avoid doing that. We know what we did right, so we continue to do that. And, you know, we'll let, we'll let all that stuff sort itself out. So let me ask you this, man. Obviously, I mean, you really had to fight to make this Eagle roster a team that's pretty deep right. at defensive end, but you dominated the preseason. You played three of the first four games thus far. As a whole, talk about your play in 2016. Um, I mean, it's, it's a blessing. First and foremost, uh, I'm, just, I'm just thankful to be here. Like you said, uh, it was it was a fight. It was a battle. But uh, God, God always won. And, um, I mean, I feel like I, I just want to be here. I love it here. I always said that since um, 
you know, since day one of OTAs, I was just like, man, I don't want to be nowhere else. I want to I want to stay here. And uh, I fought and, you know, fought for the spot. And I was able to come away with it. And, um, you know, I just – I'm always stay ready, so I never have to get ready when my time is – my time coming when my number is called. So did you think – and I know you said you, you wanted to be here, you wanted to stay here. But what was it about this particular environment? Was the defense that kind of worked well for you, the scheme of the defense? I mean, why did you really want to stay in Philly? It was a combination of everything. Um, it was the it was the scene. It was uh, Swartz. It was the rest of the coaches on defense. Uh, Chris, and we got his assistant Phil in there. Uh, it was Coach Doug Peterson. It was, it was everything. The teammates, it was just, you know, everything just kind of just, the chemistry is just is there, and then when you win it, you got these crazy Eagle fans right behind you, cheering you on, and you know everything is just it's great. It's a great feeling. So, Stephen, I want to ask you this now. I mean, a few weeks ago against the Bears, we, we saw you with the fist raised, and first and foremost, I want to commend you for taking a stand, and I think that's very very important for people, for athletes, for individuals. If, if they see something that's not right, to take a stand. For things, so I commend you for that. But but I want to ask you this: a lot of people see you standing, but they kind of want to know what you have done moving forward. And we, I, I saw here that you did some ride-alongs with the police, and you're also engaging with the community. Talk about what you have done. Um, I mean the the, the first thing you want to do is raise awareness to um, you know to try to figure out what's going on because. You know, it's stuff that's near and dear to me. I grew up in the environment, which is the same way. Uh, family went through some of the similar things, not as deep as a fatality, but at the same time, you know, you see it going on, and, and you, you never really question it until you get out of it. And then you wonder, like, why why is that happening? But um, so so the first thing that we, we try to do is raise awareness. And then, you know, we know that that can't be the end of all. So we we try to figure out what's our next best approach and, um, you know, we felt like our next best approach was to educate ourselves on the other side because it's never just one-sided. It's always two-sided. So uh, we felt like the ride-along was the best way to educate ourselves to see exactly what they go through, um, you know, on a normal basis and with, you know, how, how crazy things can get and how fast things can escalate. And you would be surprised with um, with how, how drastic everything really is and, and the, the perspective that, that I've seen, I've seen a new side of things, and it changed my perspective a little bit on things. And I was, we was, we was in a car with, with two real cool officers um, for the for the identity. I won't say the names, but um, real two real two cool officers. And uh, we, you know, we rode around and we, you know, we stopped and we talked to people in the community. Uh, we stopped and we, you know, we played football, throwing the footballs around with the kids. Uh, we stopped at two locations and did that. And, um, I mean, the, the biggest thing from it, you know, you, you had kids who was kind of standoffish at first because of everything that was going on. And they were like, no, like, we tell them to come over. They really not want to. And it, I can understand it. Um, but at the same time, that was what, you know, what we was there for. And they would ask us, like, uh, why y'all here? What, what y'all doing this for? And, you know, we would tell them, like, we want to educate ourselves. But at the same time, um, let y'all know that it, it's okay, like, you don't have to be this way with all cops because it's not a hundred percent of cops. You know what I mean? It's not. It's not. A, it's, it's not a one-sided situation. 
Um, but it's you know it's one of those things that you know we got a, a brand new perspective on it, and we're gonna continue to try to figure out what's the next approach, and probably continue to do these ride-alongs until we get uh, um, a, a great feel of the, of the whole you know perspective on it, and you know just try to keep going forth. And again, I, I commend you for what you're doing and what you have done up to this point. And the reason I do commend you is because the reality is you did have to fight to get on the NFL roster. So you're not one of these guys who's, you know, really, really established on the NFL roster. So you had to fight. So you kind of put your neck out there. And from my perspective, man, I I totally commend you on doing so. I I say at the end of the day, hate you, hate what you did, love what you did, but you most definitely have to respect what you did. So kudos to you, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So, fans, make sure you go to Twitter and support this man. Go to at MeansBusiness56, MeansBusiness56, <laughs> and support all the great things going on with Philadelphia Eagles defensive end, Stephen Means. Stephen, pleasure talking to you, yep. man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Would love to do it again. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for everything, man. Make sure y'all tune in, man. All right, take care. Uh, you too. Stephen Means, defensive end for the Philadelphia Eagles. Pleasure talking to them and the Philadelphia Eagles. Like we said, after a great start, 3 0 start, Carson Wentz, the Messiah in, in Philadelphia, Wentzylvania, and all that good stuff. And, and now Carson Wentz at this point in time, you know. He wasn't great last week, and and granted, he didn't have great protection from that offensive line. We had Big V. I'm not even going to try to say his name, but Big V replaced Lane Johnson, and that Lane Johnson loss is huge. He was playing some big-time football, and one of the reasons that Carson Wentz was able to do some of the things that he was able to do was because that Lane Johnson was able to protect him, and that offensive line was protecting him. I mean, he got some good time. He had some good time over those past few weeks when he had all that success when Pennsylvania became Pennsylvania. But now at this point, you know, it, it seems like it might be a struggle on that offensive line without uh, the services of Lane Johnson. And you got a big time, and I mean big time, Minnesota Viking defensive line coming into Philadelphia this weekend. It's going to be rough. It's going to be tough. But we'll see what can be done in Philadelphia and whether or not the Eagles can turn it around. They better turn it around because the five and one Cowboys who won again, this time in Green Bay. And now they're five and one head and they're on by this week. And so October 30th is when the Cowboys and the Eagles meet up. The thought was that Tony Romo would probably be the starting quarterback. At least that's what we thought at the beginning of the year. At least that's what we thought maybe two weeks ago. But now, Dak Prescott and his performance against the Green Bay Packers, I think it's all we need to know in terms of who's going to be starting. That's This is Dak Prescott's team at this point. And then I think it might be Dak Prescott's team for as long as he's a quarterback in the National Football League. And I think the Cowboys, you know, I think there are teams out there and the trade might not go down this year, but next year I think there's definitely going to be some teams out there 
who would have a level of interest in Tony Romo. I mean, there are some football teams who could use a quarterback. The New York Jets, based off of the performance of Ryan Fitzpatrick thus far in 2016, and knowing what – I mean, they don't know what they have at the quarterback position. So they need a quarterback. I mean, you just look around this league, and I did this last week. I'm going to do it again. I mean, there are teams who could use quarterbacks. And the Broncos, interesting football team that could could use a quarterback, and maybe they can, you know, work the money and where Roman would be okay there. I mean, so that's a team. The Bears could use a quarterback. I mean, Arizona Cardinals at this point, maybe next year, could use a quarterback. The Rams, even though they have Jared Goff, possibly could use a quarterback. 49ers could use a quarterback, and, and I don't think Tony Romo's going to play in Chip Kelly's system, but who knows if Chip Kelly will be there. So I'm just saying, I think there could be a market out there for Tony Romo. But I think at this point, the Cowboys would be stupid, would be crazy, would just be absolutely just out of their minds, out of their minds, if they put Tony Romo back in there and sit uh, Dak Prescott down. You can't do that. You just can't. I mean, the way he's played, how effective he's been, and what he's done on that football field, and how he's led this football team, it's just trying. It's time. It's, it's, it's time to let these young boys just work. Let Zeke, let um, Prescott, let Des Bryant work. I mean, some believe that, you know, with the chemistry that might be going on with the Cowboys and at this point in time, that maybe Des Bryant is a guy they move on. And I don't know if I'm prepared to do something like that. I don't know. But I'll say this. You know, Des, over the the past couple of seasons, has had some availability problems whether that's availability in terms of being on time for meetings, which we, according to reports, he's missed a lot, and also in terms of availability on the football field over the past two seasons. He's still big time, still one of the best wide receivers in football, I I believe, when healthy. I mean, 2012 would would tell you that, 130, uh, excuse me, 92 catches, 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns. 2013 would tell you he's still big time, 93 catches, 1,233 yards and 13 touchdowns. 2014 would tell you he's still big time, 88 catches, 1,320 yards, 16 touchdowns. So those numbers and that run, that three-year run, you give me that the fourth-year run, his second year in the league where he has 63 and 928 and nine touchdowns. I mean, he gets the ball into the end zone. He, he knows how to smell and get into that end zone. He smells it and he gets there. He most definitely gets there. So I look at Des Bryant. I'm not prepared to do that. But I would be prepared if there's a good offer and a right offer to move forward without Tony Romo. I really would. I know there are some cap things to look at, but I believe just remember when I looked at that last week, but I believe the terms of the cap, if they were to release him, 
they would have two years of, of him on their cap in terms of dead money. But if they trade him, they would only have one year of, of that money on their cap. So I don't know. I know next week on this show, we're going to talk NBA basketball, so much NBA basketball, because we're going to get to the start of the NBA season. So we're going to make sure we get that next uh, next week. I'm going to be joined by Pat Williams, uh, you know, does some work with the Orlando Magic. Going to join by, be joined by him. Trying to get Marlon, Marlon Guild on here as well. So a few people. We're going to talk some NBA, NBA basketball next week. But real quick, if I was going to make a prediction, it's going to be Cavs. It's going to be the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals. I don't see anybody on each coast that could do anything to stop that from happening. Unfortunately, fortunately, however you want to view it, maybe it would be a trilogy. And remember the NBA and the popularity that it had in the 80s. They had a bunch of time, Celtics, Lakers. So that's the formula, it seems, for success and for the league to have a lot of success. So remember that. But anyway, next week we'll, we're going to talk a whole lot of basketball. But it's going to be the Warriors. It's going to be the Cavaliers in the NBA Finals. And I think this time, I think Golden State Warriors are going to get them. But we'll see. We'll see. I, I can't envision a team with Garnett, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson not winning an NBA title. Could be wrong. But in reality, they should have won last year. Up three games to one, you got to put that away. And they didn't do it. And we're going to bring in a guy now who, um, if you saw, if you watched Lifetime this weekend, you saw the story of Michelle A. You know, last summer we saw straight out of Compton. But this was kind of like, in some respect, a rebuttal to that. I don't want to say, I don't want to say rebuttal. But I guess you could say it's it, it's now getting the side of Michelle. Like we saw the side of Dre and, and, and Ice Cube and, and those guys. But now we're going to see Michelle and her side of things and her thoughts on things. And that's what we saw. But we bring it, we're going to bring in a guy now. This man played, well, at least he had – he played for the Bears and the, the Saints. Couldn't hook on with those teams. Couldn't lock on with those teams. But he did play for those guys. Um, you know, tried to lock on, tried to get on. But he put up put up, he put up work. He most definitely put up a lot of work. Put in a lot of work. A lot of work. Um, in college, I mean, Western Kentucky. He put some work on working at Western Kentucky. But we're going to bring him in now, Curtis Hamilton. Let's bring him in now. One of the stars of Surviving Compton, Dre, Suge, and Michelle A. Actor, Curtis Hamilton. Curtis, how are you? What's up, guys? I'm great, man. Can't complain. Can't complain. Thank you. How you doing? Thank you, Jordan. Doing well, man. Great, great. So let's talk about this movie now. I mean, 2.3 million people watched it. A lot of people are talking yeah. about it. There's a buzz about this particular movie. 
overall, you, you obviously felt like this movie resonated with the public. For sure. Yeah, um, I mean, it's domestic violence. It's, it's, a, it's a movie not only about iconic figures, but it's a, it's a message in, in domestic violence, and not just from the abuser side, but from the abusee side. And, you know, hopefully some other people, not male and female, won't make the same mistake that she did, you know, and be strong enough to say no and move on, you know. So, yeah, man, it's, it's, I, I feel like we got a great product. So let me ask this. How did you prepare to play Dr. Dre? Gosh, how did I prepare? Um, first off, I kind of was familiar with, you know, his music and seeing him in interviews. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Dre. Dre is, Dre is amazing, man. Probably one of the best producers of all time. So I kind of knew that, but I had to go back. So I, there's not a lot of YouTube clips of him at that age. It was like maybe a few. And I studied the crap out of those as much as I could. And I did that, but then, you know, I uh, talked to Michelle and she just gave me that, that stamp of approval, like, yo. Yeah, that's what Dre did. That's what Dre did. You know, she, she that's exactly what Dre did. <laughs> I was like, for real? You know, because I hadn't spoken to anybody um, that knows Dre to tell me, say, yeah, that's what he did. I just kind of like, kind of like saw and I kind of had a mimic of what I felt was the right thing to do, but once she told me that, man, that's exactly how Dre moves, that's exactly, you know, how Dre moves his lips and his, his body manners, and man, I just ran with it, and, you know, her, her vote of confidence is, is all I needed. Let me ask you a question, do you, you know, Dre wasn't too, too happy about this particular movie, do you think you would have gotten any cooperation for, from friends of Dre? <laughs> is that a serious question? <laughs> uh, heck no, I mean, that's Dre, man You know, it's, it's as I would want my friends to do It's the past, it's 25 years ago To ride with me, and, I, and you would expect that from his friends, man And um, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't even feel right <laughs> to ask them to tell me something about Dre That helped me play a role that is, that is just That is shedding him in such a negative and, you know, defaming light I wouldn't, I would never do that, man, but you know, it is what it is, man. It's art. Um, I was just playing a character. I love Drake, man. I think he's dope. I, I, and I actually, I was talking to Michelle, and I was, and we were both talking. I was like, man, we did not expect this type of reaction. I kind of almost feel bad because I have a lot to do with people's reaction of him right now. And it's just like, I feel like he's a good dude. And, you know, and that was 25 years ago. You know, everybody, people change. And, you know, and the reaction he's getting now, I was like, damn, I kind of feel bad. And the Michelle is like, yeah, I didn't expect it. Um, you know, and, but, you know, she, she wanted to tell her story. That's the only thing I can respect. And I, and I appreciate her giving the opportunity to, to play somebody as dope as Dre. So. so your opinion of Dre hasn't changed? Uh, no. Um, I kind of... I didn't know too much about it. I didn't know to the extent that I know now. You know I didn't know to that extent. But... Uh, I would want someone to forgive me and whatever I've done in my past, if it came up and, you know, they would look at me and see that I'm a changed man. And, and if, if Dre has changed, if Dre is a different person today, man, we got to respect that, man. We, ha- we have to because we all have a past. We all got a past that, that we probably don't want someone to know the complete of. And, and, and maybe, you know, fragments here and there, but not the whole thing, and she just, she 
pretty much put out everything as much as she needs. You know, she put out a lot. She put out a lot of deep, just like, ooh, stuff that you just kind of, it's hard not to look at somebody like that. But I, I'm the type of person, man, um, that I, I give people second, third chances in my life, man. I just, because I would want someone to do the same thing to me. So I know I have to change my opinion on him, man. He's, he's, he is what it is. I, I respect his music. And, and until I know him personally, I have no right to judge him other than that. Sounds good. We're talking to one of the stars of Surviving Compton, actor Curtis Hamilton. So let me ask you this. Uh, I, I, you know, before watching this, I did not know Michelle A. had a baby by both Dre and Suge. But how much did you know about Michelle A.'s story before you took this role? Uh, about me? You know what? To be honest with you, I knew um, something in my heart. I knew that song. You know, that's dope, you know. That's a dope song, so I kind of vaguely knew that. In terms of, yeah, in terms, in terms of Misha Lay, I knew the voice, like I knew the woman with the squeaky voice. So when I heard somebody say that, and then I heard the song, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't know a ton about her before, um, you know, I got into this movie. I, I knew of her, but I didn't know too much. So I learned a lot. And, and, and me and her, our relationship is amazing, man. That, that woman is, is, is you know, her personality, man, and just her generosity and her just everything about it, man, I love. We just, like, click like best friends. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy how, um, it's kind of crazy how our relationship is, so. That's pretty cool. So, let me ask you this now. How did this role come about for you? How did it, uh, my, my agency, my agency got me the, got me the, uh, audition with Leah Daniels. And I, you know, I shout out to Lee Daniels and um, Lee Daniels, of course, you know, Lee, uh, Lee Daniels' sister uh, and Fern Champion, the casting directors on the spot, man. They, I went on one other audition and they saw me. They had never seen me before. And I'll never forget Lee was like, where you been at? Where I, why have I never seen you before? Why haven't you never been in for any of my projects? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I've been out here. <laughs> I've been trying to find, I've been trying to get you to find me. <laughs> so that was my second audition I've ever went on for her, and uh, my 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 agency got me the got me the audition, and I just went in and as you know, this is a no business. I was like, man, I ain't gonna get this. That's Dr. Dre. You know, I'm not no thug. I, you know, that's not that's not who I am. They're gonna look at me like, man, this dude, he ain't no, he can't play this. I went in. I got second I'll call back, and I got a third, and a third call back, and I was like. And I, this is a true story. I um, went in an audition, you know, and I, I left out of there feeling great. I did my thing, you know. I was like, yeah, I can show that. And uh, I went to Erewhon, and I remember people that always see me that I was dressed in character. I was dressed as, like I went into the audition. And then and the dude behind the, the bar was like, man, you know who you look like? And I was like, nah, what's up? Who, who, who? You know, I was like, well, Will Smith, Romeo, come on, shoot me. And, um... <laughs> And then he was like, you look like a young drink. I was like, you know what? I just went on an audition for that, man. He's like, what? I was like, dead serious. He's like, no, you going to book that. Two, two auditions later, <laughs> I ended up booking it, man. So I, it, was, it, was, it was meant to be, I guess. <laughs> so, I, do, I, do see, I do see the Romeo. I do see the Romeo. Man, stop it. Stop it, man. A little bit. Stop I do see that. <laughs> I know I keep all these, all the girls, you know, hitting me up on my, on my Insta and like, hey, you look like this. Master P got another child out here. Don't tell me. Let me 
Hey, yo, let me find that Master P got another child out here. Where he been at? <laughs> I'm like, y'all crazy. Like, man, he need to play Master P in a biopic now. I'm like, <laughs> look, y'all are crazy, man. So they people tagging me with photos of Romeo. It's, it's, it's kind of been funny. I don't think I look like him. Shout out to Romeo, but, you know, I, whatever. I'll take it. He's a good cool, cool. I guess. <laughs> And I know over, you know, over time, you and Michelle, you guys got cool with one another. But let me ask you this. I got to ask it. It's not your story, and there's two sides to every story. But overall, do you believe her? (laughs) Ah, man. (laughs) Do I believe her? (laughs) Is this this like a serious question? You you got jokes. You got jokes, huh? (laughs) I have no choice but to believe it. Yeah, I believe it because I was there with her, man, reliving these moments. Like, she is yet to finish the movie. So it's hard for somebody when they're lying to, to unless they get some great actress and she's never acted. So everything she she was did in the movie was raw. Like, she's never done it. They didn't, we didn't practice it before. It was like, oh, just right in the moment type of stuff. So like that scene where she comes in from the, from the bathroom, we you know, and I kind of like, kind of beat her up in the bed, um, the character Michelle in the bed. Um, like she, she broke down and started crying, man. And I, I, I had to console her after they said cut, because this woman was like bawling, crying. So she said, it, it took her back. So I, you gotta respect somebody that, that is really just, they really was reliving moments. It, it just seemed so genuine and real, man. And, and, I, and I respect her. She seems like to be a candid and real person. So, yes, I believe it. Put me on the record. <laughs> how hard? How hard? I mean, obviously, those scenes where, where Dre is abusing her, how hard was that for you? Gosh, man, how hard. <laughs> Woo. Man, to be honest with you, it, it was it was very 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 difficult. It's exhausting, man. It was so exhausting doing those things because one thing I respect the art, I respect my craft, and I had to get outside of me, and I had to really understand why he would do that. I had to really go there, and the only thing I could really think of was that maybe it was, it was an insecure guy. He's young. He's rich, and this this this. This girl of his, who he came up with through the, you know, through nothing, is now getting shine, and people are giving her compliments, and people are just praising her, you know. And I, and what, you know, we've all been jealous. We got our friends that, you know, you know, everybody has their time. You just like say a friend is like a super popular person in high school, and you like, what about me? You know, and I could try to like understand why he felt that way, and and it was tough, man, because I've never hit a woman. I never will hit a woman. Um, I, I grew up in a very Christian home, and it's not something that I actually witnessed. I knew my aunt had gone through that, uh, but still, I, I've i never witnessed this and, and witnessed and really talked to anyone who had been through it, so it was tough, man. It, it was real tough to actually see it and, uh, and, you know, and do it and, and make it as believable as I could. It was tough, but, uh, hey, I just, it, it, it's art, so I try to just leave Curtis. At the hotel, when I got on set, I was just, I was just okay. <laughs> I was dreaming, man. I was, I was just, <laughs> I was a whole other person. It was crazy. It was, it was tough, man. I was exhausted after every day doing those things. 
We're talking to one of the stars of Surviving Compton, Dre Sugar, Michelle A, actor, Curtis yeah, Hamilton. Now, Curtis, you play What's some up, football, man. Did some things at Western ah. Kentucky. Had a shot yes, up with sir. the Bears. Had a shot with the Saints. What happened football-wise yes, for you? To go for it, talking sports, having fun doing it. We're having some technical difficulties with that particular interview. We're going to bring that interview to you in a few moments after we get that cleaned up. But um, and we we did the interview a few days ago, but we're going to get that interview cleaned up and then we're going to put it back on for you. But anyway, you know, as as we get ready to clean that up and get that back to you. Let's start look at the NBA. Let's look at the NBA. And again, we're going to look deeper into the NBA next week, next Friday. So make sure you, you're there. But um, you look at the NBA now. First off, interesting. Nerlens Noel now is going to get a surgery. And so he's going to be out for a period of time. And so, and you know, there was a level of unhappiness with Nerlens. Uh, with the Philadelphia 76ers because of some of the things that were going on, because of, you know, him not believing there's going to be enough minutes for for all those guys to play, all those bigs to play. There's a lot of bigs. And so they all can't play. They all They all can't play. And so since they all can't play, the reality is, you know, Nolan's on Wells thinking, okay, you got Jillo Okafor, who's a center. You got Joel Embiid, who is also a center. So you got all these centers. And then you got me, Nolan's on Wells, who, who wants to play 30 minutes tonight. I guess Nolan's looking at it from the standpoint, you know, I'm preparing for my future. And whatever that future might be. He's obviously preparing for his future. And you wonder what that future is going to be and where that future is going to be. Probably won't be in Philadelphia. Probably won't be in Philadelphia. And so since it probably won't be in Philadelphia, it's going to be interesting how that is and how that goes. Um, That's a tough situation. That's most definitely a tough situation. Because you look at this Sixer team, and this was a Sixer team who waited for Nerlens, waited a year for him to get right, waited for Joe OMB for two years, and now they're waiting for Ben Simmons at least until January. So they're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. A lot of waiting. And so because they're doing all that waiting, not really a good situation in Philadelphia. Frustrating situation in Philadelphia. I'm a Sixers fan. And so, you know, I love this football, this basketball team. I, was, I love my football team too, the Philadelphia Eagles. But I love the Sixers. And, you know, I was excited for this year. But, you know, especially with Ben Simmons and, you know, Joel and B coming back to add to what they already had. And, you know, I, w- I was ready for a team that was finally prepared to win. And so I guess at this point, they're really not prepared to win. And so because they're not prepared to win, 
Um, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. It, it, you know, are they going? I know this year is about winning, but reality is, can they win this year? And I'm not sure. I'm, I'm really not too sure now. I mean, just watching them in preseason, very evident, very obvious they could use a point guard. And I know Jared Bayless is hurt, but they need some more firepower. And I, as I watch this team in the preseason, and granted it's only preseason, I, I'm thinking that this season might be just like the rest, you know, maybe 20, 25 wins this year, 30 at the most if we're lucky, if a few things fall right. But I don't, I don't envision a situation with the Philadelphia 76ers where they're going to have a lot of success in 2016. I, I don't see that happening. I could be wrong, and I hope I'm wrong, but I don't see it, man. I, I don't see it. I just I just don't see a lot of firepower with this football team. I don't see much firepower at all. I keep saying football team, basketball team. I don't see much firepower with this basketball team. But I will say this, and, and you know, obviously, I'm just excited to have the NBA back. And – you know, I've heard Stephen A. Smith say, and he's been on record as saying that because of what happened with Kevin Durant, because Kevin Durant went to Golden State instead of staying in OKC, that his basketball season is not going to be where, where it was, where it could be, where it should be. Because it's really not going to be – he might be right. Because if you look at the Western Conference, other than San Antonio, who can beat Golden State? Boring injury. I mean, you look at the Clippers, maybe can give Golden State some problem, but not much. I mean, Memphis. I mean, maybe with their brute and their strength down low, maybe with the addition of Chandler Parsons, give you a level, uh, you know, more firepower. Maybe, but he has a hard time staying healthy. I mean, there's really, I guess in theory, some team is going to pop up out of somewhere because it always happens in the National Basketball Association. It happens in sports a lot where you have the surprising team. And, and there's going to be some team that's going to step up out of the shadows to have a level of success that can push and push. Maybe it could be OKC. Maybe it determine what Russell Westbrook can turn that situation around. Maybe Anthony Davis will finally, and the Pelicans finally make a run at something. Maybe it's the Houston Rockets, Mike D'Antoni. James Harden running the point. I don't know, man. It's just I got my doubts about a lot of things. And I don't think anybody out west can touch the Golden State Warriors. I mean, I don't think anybody out east. I think the Eastern Conference got a better chance because I'm thinking, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe Cleveland. I mean, not maybe Cleveland, maybe Indiana, maybe the Pacers is a team that could possibly 
give the Cavaliers a run? Maybe. I mean, maybe the Hawks with Dwight Howard, maybe. But I'm, I'm looking at these Pacers, you know, and, and Paul George is he's a superstar in this league. You know, they got Thaddeus Young, who's solid. Can't do worse than Thaddeus Young. He's solid. Monte Ellis can put the ball in the basket. Jeff Teague is there as well. You can also have um, Al Jefferson, a guy that can definitely help your basketball team. So, I, I mean, this is a team that can be interesting. I, I'm not saying they're beating the Cavs. Because I don't think any team can. Maybe the New York Knicks. If Derrick Rose is right. You know, he got that civil suit behind him. If Derrick Rose is right, maybe it's the Knicks. That could surprise some people. Um, You know, it's, it's... I don't know. I'm not saying it's depressing. Because I love basketball. And I'm, I'm going to watch. And I'm going to watch, and I'm going to watch, and I'm going to watch. But I guess you, you're just like in the 80s where you had the Houston Rockets who used to give the Lakers trouble from time to time, and then the Dallas Mavericks as well. And then in the 80s, out east, you had the Milwaukee Bucks at times, Philadelphia 76ers, and in the late 80s, you had the bad boy Pistons. So you're just waiting for that team, that consistent team. I mean, maybe it's the Raptors. Maybe the Raptors are that team that can continue to try and, and maybe give the Cavaliers a run. I mean, they, they took them to six. But did you think at any point, at any time, that that roster, that team, was going to beat the Cavaliers in that series? No. Not at all. So I just look at this team. I'm just looking at the Cavaliers. Like I said, out east. I'm looking at the Golden State Warriors out west. And to me, I think the conversation at this point is not who can beat those teams. Barring injury. We're we're just talking barring injury. Everything even. Everybody healthy. Barring injury. If those teams are completely healthy. I don't think there's anybody out there that can beat them. There's not a, an NBA roster that is prepared, even in the East or in the West, to beat those particular base uh, football uh, basketball teams. Not possible. Let's go to let's go to baseball now. And Cleveland Indians are there, and they're waiting and waiting and waiting to see who's going to win and who's going to join them, whether it be the Dodgers or the Cubs. And you look at the Dodgers and the Cubs, Dodgers get, you know, win game two, one nothing. Kershaw gets it done. Then Rich Hill comes back in game three, and we're talking about what's going on with the, um, the bats. What's going on with those bats with the Cubs? What's going on with those Cub bats? And those bats have been suspect in those games. And then the Cubs come on back, you know, they come on back and and they storm back. And they tell you and they prove to you why they are the team 
that they are. Eight runs last night and 10 runs on third, on Wednesday night, 18 runs in the last two games. And that's after being shut out in game three. And that's after being shut out in game two. They got their ship right. They righted their ship. And now they're prepared uh, to possibly put this thing away. Can they put it away? Will they put it away? And I think, you know, here's the question. You know, you the, those long suffering Cubs fans, they're waiting. They're 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 pumped. They're hyped. And they're 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 ready to celebrate, man. They're ready to celebrate. Will they celebrate? That's the better question. And last time they were in this situation, Steve Bartman happened. So hopefully for Cubs fans, Steve Bartman won't happen again. If you're lucky, Cubs fans, Steve Bartman will not happen again. We've got that Curtis Hamilton interview right, and we're going to bring it from the beginning in its entirety, Curtis Hamilton. Let's bring him in now. One of the stars of Surviving Compton, Dre, Shug, and Michelle A, actor, Curtis Hamilton. Curtis, how are you? What's up, guys? I'm great, man. Can't complain. Can't complain. Thanks. How you doing? Thanks for joining us. Doing well, man. Great, great. So let's talk about this movie now. I mean, 2.3 million people watched it. A lot of people are talking yeah. about it. There's a buzz about this particular movie. Overall, you, you obviously felt like this movie resonated with the public. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's domestic violence. It's, it's, a, it's a movie not only about iconic figures, but it's a, it's a message in, in domestic violence, and not just from the abuser side, but from the abusee side. And, you know, hopefully some other people, not male and female, won't make the same mistake that she did, you know, and be strong enough to say no and move on, you know. So, yeah, man, it's, it's, I, I feel like we got a great product. So let me ask you this. How did you prepare to play Dr. Dre? Gosh, how did I prepare? Um, first off, I kind of was familiar with, you know, his music and seeing him in interviews. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Dre. Dre, Dre is amazing, man. Probably one of the best producers of all time. So I kind of knew that, but I had to go back. So I, there's not a lot of YouTube clips of him at that age. It was like maybe a few. And I studied the crap out of those as much as I could. And I did that. But then, you know, I uh, talked to Michelle and she just gave me that, that stamp of approval. Like, yo. Yeah, that's what Dre did. That's what Dre, you know, she, that's exactly what Dre did. <laughs> I was like, for real? You know, because I hadn't spoken to anybody um, that knows Dre to tell me, to say, yeah, that's what he did. I just kind of like, kind of like saw and I kind of tried to mimic what I felt was the right thing to do. But once she told me that, man, that's exactly how Dre moves. That's exactly, you know, how Dre moves his lips and his, his body mannerisms. And I just ran with it. And, you know, her, her vote of confidence is, is all I needed. Let, let me ask you a question. Do you, you know, Dre wasn't too, too happy about this particular movie. Do you think you would have gotten any cooperation for, from friends of Dre? <laughs> 
Is that a serious question? <laughs> uh, heck no. I mean, that's Dre, man. You know, it's as I would want my friends to do. It's the past. It's 25 years ago to ride with me, and, I, and you would expect that from his friends, man. And um, I would, I would, I wouldn't even feel right <laughs> to ask them to tell me something about Dre that helped me play a role that is that is just that is shedding him in such a negative and you know defaming light. I wouldn't. I would never do that, man. But you know, it is what it is, man. It's art. Um, I was just playing a character. I love Drake, man. I think he's dope. I, I and I actually, I was talking to Michelet, and I was, and we were both talking. I was like, man, we did not expect this type of reaction. I kind of almost feel bad because I have a lot to do with people's reaction of him right now, and it's just like, I feel like he's a good dude, and you know, and that was 25 years ago. You know, everybody, people change, and you know, and the reaction he's getting out, I was like, damn, I kind of feel bad. And the Michelle is like, yeah, I didn't expect it. Um, you know, and, but you know, she she wanted to tell her story. That's the only thing I can respect. And I, and I appreciate her giving the opportunity to, to play somebody as, as dope as Dre. So. so your opinion of Dre hasn't changed? Uh, no. Um, I kind of, I didn't know too much about it. I didn't know to the extent that I know now. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know to that extent. But, uh, I would want someone to forgive me and whatever I've done in my past since it came up and, you know, they would look at me and see that I'm a changed man. And, and if Dre has changed, if Dre is a different person today, man, we got to respect that, man. You know, we ha- we so, have to because we all have a past. We all got a past that that we probably don't want someone to know the complete of and, and, and maybe, you know, fragments here and there, but not the whole thing is she just she pretty much put out everything as much as you know she knows she put out a lot she put out a lot of deep just like whoo stuff that you just kind of it's hard not to look at somebody like that but I, i'm the type of person man um that i i give people second third chances in my life man i just because i would want someone to do the same thing to me so i know i haven't changed my opinion on him man he's he's he is what it is. I, I respect his music, and, and until I know him personally, I have no right to judge him other than that. Sounds good. We're talking to one of the stars of Surviving Compton, actor Curtis Hamilton. So let me ask you this. Uh, I, I, you know, before watching this, I did not know Michelle had a baby by both Dre and Shook. But how <laughs> much did you know about Michelle's story before you took this role? Uh, about me, you know what? To be honest with you, I knew um, something in my heart. I knew that song. You know, that's dope. You know, that's a dope, that's a dope song. So I kind of vaguely knew oh, that. In, in terms of, yeah, in terms, in terms of Michelle, I knew the voice. Like I knew the woman with the squeak, squeaky voice. So when I heard somebody say that, and then I heard the song, I was like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. But I didn't know a ton about her before. I, um, you know, I got into this movie. I, I knew of her, but I didn't know too much. So I learned a lot. And, and, and me and her, our relationship is amazing, man. That that woman. Is, is you know her personality, man, and just her generosity and her just everything about her, man. I love. We just like click like best friends. It's it's, it's kind of crazy how um, it's kind of crazy how our relationship is. So that's pretty cool. So let me ask you this now: How did this role come about for you? How did it? Oh, uh, my my agency, my agency got me the got me the. Uh, audition with Leah Daniels and I you know I shout out to Leah Daniels and um Leah Daniels who is you know Leah Daniels, uh, Leah Daniels sister 
uh, Inferring Champion, the casting directors on the spot, man. They, I went on one other audition and they saw me. They had never seen me before, and I never forget. Lee was like, "Where you been at? Well, I, why have I never seen you before? Why haven't you never been in for any of my projects?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I've been out here. <laughs> I've been trying to find. I've been trying to get you to find me." <laughs> So that was my second audition I've ever went on for her, and uh, my 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 agency got me the got me the audition, and I just went in and as you know this is a no business. I was like, man, I ain't gonna get this. That's Dr. Dre, you know. I'm not no thug. I, you know, that's not that's not who I am. They're gonna look at me like, man, this dude, he ain't no, he can't play this. I win. I got second I'll call back, and I got a third, and a third call back, and I was like, and I this is a true story. I um, went in an audition. You know, and I, I left out of there feeling great. I was like, I did my thing, you know. I was like, yeah, I killed that. And uh, I went to Erewhon, and I remember people that always see me, and I was dressed in character. I was dressed as, like I went into the audition. And then and the dude behind the, the bar was like, man, you know who you look like? And I was like, nah, what's up? Who, who, who? You know, I was like, what, Will Smith, Romeo? Come on, shoot me. And um, <laughs> and then he was like, you look like a young Drake. I was like, you know what? I just went on an audition for that man. He's like, what? I was like, dead serious. He's like, no, you gonna book that? Two two auditions later, <laughs> I ended up booking it, man. So I, it was it was it was meant to be, I guess. <laughs> so, I do I do see I do see the Romeo. I do see the Romeo. Man, stop it, stop it, man. A little bit. Stop I do see that. <laughs> I know. I keep all these all the girls, you know, hitting me up on my on my Insta. And like, yeah, he look like this. Master P got another child out here. Don't tell me. Let me go, let me find that Master P got another child out here. Where he been at? <laughs> I'm like, y'all are crazy. They're like, man, he need to play Master P in a biopic now. I'm like, <laughs> y'all are crazy, man. So they people tagging me with photos of Romeo. It's, it's it's kind of been funny. I don't think I look like him. Shout out to Romeo, but you know, I whatever. I'll take it. He, he's a good looking dude, I guess. <laughs> And I, I, I know over you know over time you and Miss Shelley you guys got cool with one another, but let me ask you: so uh-huh. I gotta ask it. It's not your story, and there's two sides to every story. But overall, do you believe her? <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> do I believe her? <laughs> is, this, is this like a serious question? You try, you got jokes. You got jokes. Huh? <laughs> I have no choice but to believe her. But yeah, I believe her because I was there with her, man, reliving these moments. Like, she has yet to finish the movie. So, it's hard for somebody, when they're lying, to, to unless they just some great actress and she's never acted. So, everything she she was did in the movie was raw. Like, she's never done this. They didn't, we didn't practice it before. It was just like, oh, just right in the moment type stuff. So, like, that scene where she comes in from the, from the bathroom, we, you know, and I kind of, like, kind of beat her up in the bed, um, the character Michelle in the bed. Uh, like, she she broke down and started crying, man. And I I, I had to console her after they said cut, because this woman was, wow. like, bawling, crying. Because she said it, it took her back. So I, you got to respect somebody that that is really just – they really was reliving moments. It, it just seemed so genuine and real, man. And, and, I, and I respect her. She seems like to be a candid and real person. So, yes, I believe it. Put me on the record. Is, <laughs> how hard? How hard? I mean, obviously, those scenes, 
where where Dre is abusing her. How hard was that for you? God, man, how hard. <laughs> Ooh. Man, to be honest with you, it, it was it was very, very, very difficult. It's exhausting, man. It was so exhausting doing those scenes because one thing, I respect the art. I respect my craft, and I had to get outside of me, and I had to really understand why he would do that. I had to really go there, and the only thing I could really think of was that maybe it was, it was an insecure guy. He's young. He's rich, and this 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 girl of his, who he came up with through the you know through nothing, is now getting shine. And people are giving her compliments and people are just praising her, you know, and I, and, and you know, we've all been jealous. We got our friends that, you know, you know, everybody has their time. You know, it's like, say a friend is like the super popular person in high school. And you like, what about me? You know, and I could just try to like, understand why he felt that way. And, and it was tough, man, because I've never hit a woman. I never will hit a woman. Um, I, I grew up in a very Christian home and it's not something that I actually witnessed. I knew my aunt had gone through that, um, but still, I, I've i never witnessed this and, and w- witnessed and really talked to anyone who had been through it, so it was tough, man. It, it was real tough to actually see it and, um, and, you know, and do it and, and make it as believable as I could. It was tough, but, uh, hey, I just, it, it, it's art, so I tried to just leave Curtis at the hotel, and when I got on set, <laughs> I was just, I was just okay. <laughs> I was Dre, man. I was, I was just. <laughs> I was a whole other person. It was crazy. It was it was tough, man. I was exhausted after every day doing those things. We're talking to one of the stars of Surviving Cops and Dre Sugar, Michelle A, actor Curtis yeah, Hamilton. Baby. Now, Curtis, you played some baby. football, man. Did some things at Western <laughs> Kentucky. Had a shot yes, up with sir. the Bears. Had a shot with the Saints. What happened football-wise yes, for you? What happened, man? I was, it was a tough time in my life, honestly. It was a tough time in my life. Uh, I wasn't mentally where I should have been. And, uh, you know, the, the NFL is a tough it's, – it's, it, when you're a free agent coming in and I came from a smaller school and my chances were slim. So it was like if I didn't come in knocking doors down and, and people were being like, who is that guy? What da, da, da. It was I, had, I didn't have many chances to, to fail or to not – you know, I didn't, so I, I I can remember. I'm not going to get into detail because, um, but I remember one time that I did miss. I set out one like team run, and the next thing you know, they just say I was cut, and because I, I was like my groin hurt or something, and I was cut the next day. And I, and I had good practices before. It's just that's the business. Like they will cut you if they don't have any financial, um, you know, uh, investment in you. It's hey. You chop liver, baby. You out of here. They don't. <laughs> it don't even matter. Because I, I I was doing decent, and then I got to the Saints, and then I was I dropped some balls, and they got rid of me the the next like week or so. I was just like, wow, it was it's cutthroat, man. But I wasn't mentally where I should have been. But I will say, man, I was good enough. I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take that to my grave. <laughs> I'm gonna take that to my grave for sure. <laughs> at, at the end of the day, was that the best thing that happened to you? Which one, the football? Yeah, football. Now, football not working out for you. Man. I hate the cliche, everything happens for a reason. Um, but let me see, man. You know, it, it made me a stronger man. It made me a stronger person. Um, I'm, I'm a very, uh, I'm a very, 
person, type of person that I, I don't, I don't quit. And for me to quit that, that, that hurt, man. Because you know, coming from a small town, everybody's looking at you to, to make it. Because not many people come from my town to actually do stuff like that I was doing. You know, we had a few people, but it's just, it's, it's, it's an anomaly. So it, it really hurt in that regard because I really didn't give people a reason why. I just kind of walked away, and I try to do it as silently as I can. But you really can't hide when it comes to that because. It's, it's Google is a powerful thing, and then you got people at home asking you, well, what's up, what's up, what's up, and, you know. So I I was kind of embarrassed, and um, but I will say it made me a stronger person. It made me who I am today, um, and uh, I can't regret that because I'm doing something that I love to do now. Not everybody gets that opportunity, but uh, I learned a lot through this situ- the whole situation because I see how easily someone can just, toss you away because you know in college I was a star athlete and sure. I wasn't really kind of used to that I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't used to being treated like that especially when I thought I was good enough you know I was figuring someone would give me more more than a one chance so but I took that and I understand business man it's, after college everything is business the business that I'm in now is business but at the end of the day you have to you have to always be prepared and you have to always be on your game um, because it's, people don't care, you know. If you're messing up their bottom line, if, you know they got money on the table. That's why when so I went me, on set, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was just saying. So whenever I went on set, I was prepared, man. And I and shout out to Janice Cook, who was the director on the shoot, and uh, and my producer um, Leslie Grice. You know, I I try to always be first. This, this is a athletic. This is a you know athlete mentality. I was first on set, you know. Um, I came to table reads, with, you know, with my lines already down, and I prepared the same way I would as an athlete. So I, that that that's what I give sports when it comes to this business. What, what's next for you? <sighs> what's next, man? Hopefully, a lot. <laughs> um, well, I just got back shooting a, com- a national commercial. Like I, that's how I got in the game, which was funny. And I hadn't done a commercial in a while. I shot a national commercial with Ford. I just got back from Denver. Um, so right now, I'm really just I'm, I'm being choosy as trying to say what, what roles I'm, 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 I want to pick next because um, I feel like people kind of can see that I got some chops, and, you know. And it takes just that one role, and uh, but I'm, I'm hoping that it, it get, I can I can get something that challenges me. You know, I, if I can choose, I want something that can challenge me. Right now, I don't have a particular role that I'm um, going to be doing, but. I want something that's going to challenge me in a different way than that is, but it's 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 acting and I'm having fun. You know, I just I, you know I just want to work, man. I just want to be, you know, doing what I love to do. And, and so far, and I hope this this movie brings a lot of opportunity for that. That's the only thing I can really hope for. So for sure. So let me before we get out of here, how much football do you still watch? Do you still watch a lot of football? <laughs> Heck yeah. I'm a country boy, man. We got nothing else to do. <laughs> we got nothing else in Kentucky, so I, I'm. I know you probably hate it. Where are you from, man? I'm from the Philadelphia area. Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a Cowboys fan. I know. Shoot me. Wow. I, my dad. My dad was a Cowboys fan, so I know we're in the same division. The Eagles, Cowboys. Um, I do, but I keep up with everybody. I just love football, uh, but. Yeah, so I, I try to watch. I play. I play fantasy. I'm a fan duel. I'm a fan duel guy. Um, so, but my team, 
for the most part of the Cowboys. I, I'm not going to lie. I stopped watching them for a while because they're, like, like Stephen A. Smith says, they're accident waiting to happen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, uh, so that's, it's kind of frustrating being a Cowboys fan, man. It's, and they always messing up. But right now, man, we rolling. We rolling. So, so you're, you're good with Dak staying in there. Yeah, man. How, how could you not, man? This dude is balling. Yo, Dak is balling, man. He is, he's, what, he got one interception he threw last week on, like, a Hail Mary or something? Like, no, no, it wasn't well, no, Hail Mary. It was, it was like, it was, it was a regular say? pass. It was a regular pass. Yeah, it was behind, it was, yeah, it was behind the receiver. Uh, but he got one interception at 5-1, and one, leading, you know, he's, he's, he's managing the game as best that the game can be managed. And what I do like, he seems to be more durable than Tony. He's bigger, you know, he's, his arm is just as well. He's, he's more athletic. And he may not be cerebrally there. I don't know if that's even a word. I just made it up. Um, he may not be there, you know. <laughs> I know his cerebral grade may not be as strong as, 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 um, as Tony's right now. But what we do have, we have uh, youth. We have, I feel like, durability. Because what's the, what, like they say, the best. Um, availability is durability. If you, if you can't, if you're not going to be out there, what's the point? I don't care how good you are. If you're always going to be hurt, like Ben Roethlisberger is hurt right now. I mean, I love that guy, but he's always hurt. He got two rings, so he has to. He gets the. He gets the benefit of the doubt. You know what I'm saying? Like he gets. <laughs> you can't really say much to the dude because he he gave y'all two rings, but he's he's always hurt, man. He's always hurt. I'm not a, I'm yes. not a Pittsburgh fan, but he's always hurt. It's like as as a, you know. The, the quarterback position is, is the most important position on the field, and if they're not out there, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta move on, man. And I, I love, I, I like Tony. I'm not gonna say I love Tony. I like Tony. I think he's a, I think he's a good quarterback. He's, uh, you know, he's spontaneous. He got that, he got that, that Aaron Rodgers thing to him. He's always making plays. You know, that Ben Roethlisberger thing. He's always making plays you know, outside the pocket and you know, extending plays. But he's always hurt. Though. We can't have it. We gotta. If, if Dak is gonna, Dak is gonna keep up with this, we got to stick with the youngster. You know what I'm saying? What you, what, what? Give me your opinion. What you think? I mean, I think at the end of the day, obviously, you're five and one with Dak Prescott and Tony Romo, 36 years old, been injured the last two seasons at this point in time. So, if you got Dak, Dak Prescott rolling, at some point you're gonna have to replace Tony Romo. So you got somebody mm-hmm. to replace him. I think you got to ride with the young guy at this point and, and see what happens. I mean, maybe this whole thing could be, you, you remember the 90s Cowboys with Emmett and Aikman and Irvin yeah. in that big-time offensive line. Fast forward to For 2016, sure. Dak, yep. Elliott, maybe Des Bryant, big-time offensive line. You had Jay Novacek back there at the tight end. Back in, yep, in, in yep. the 90s, you got Jason yep. Winton now. So maybe you got that similar thing going on, and I, I think you ride it to the wheels fall off. Man. See, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you saying that being an Eagles fan because you know how y'all Eagles fans, y'all can, y'all can be a little, yeah, put Tony back in there because y'all, y'all know he's probably going to get hurt. It's going to help out <laughs> your chances of winning the division. <laughs> yeah. but, but here's what I will say. Uh, here's what I'm saying. Tony Romo, if, if healthy, can play. He can get it done. The, the numbers show that he can get it done 
if he is healthy. But he hasn't been healthy. And Dak is just playing too good. The team is just rolling at this point. You can't make that change. You can't. Yep. Yep. I know. That's, that's, that's exactly how I feel, man. As much as, you know, because you, you want – because I'm, 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 I'm an athlete. You, I'm, you play sports. I would hate to lose my job because of an injury. That sucks. You know, and um, when you know you still got – you got game. He got game left. Tony has game left. But, man, this, this, this guy is he, – he's balling, man. He, he's the less – he's financially he's, – he's, he's cheaper. And he's giving you just as much. And it's just like, man, it sucks. But it's like Tony's giving – well, how many checks have we given Tony? Like, what is this, his, his ninth, tenth year at the Cowboys? He's giving Tony a lot of checks. A lot of playoff wins, man. <laughs> Two playoff wins. It, it hurts. It hurts to say it, but it's time. Maybe it's time for a change. Maybe, 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 maybe. <laughs> Here's what I said. But, I, I, my thing was the way Dak Prescott played. I mean, you went to Green Bay and beat the Packers. So to mm-hmm. me, that was a done deal at that point. He's the starter moving forward. I mean, there's really. That was a done deal. I mean, after you win that particular game, that's it. He's the starter. No argument. Yep. I mean, you can't, you can't, at the end of the day, you can't argue that bottom line. And the bottom line is they are five and one. And I don't care if it's because of the running game, the offensive line, blah, blah, blah. He's managing the game. Oh, well. You're going to ride this wave until that wave becomes flat. And right now that wave is going. Like, it, 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 it's, you got to, man, and I mean, I will say, I will say this, and it's a weak division, so it's kind of hard. It's, it's a weak division. The, the Green Bay Packers aren't as good as they usually are. Aaron Rodgers isn't, he isn't playing like the Aaron Rodgers that we're used to. He hasn't played really that way in the last probably like two years. He's, he's still top, still top five quarterback in terms of how he's playing, but we, we used to Aaron Rodgers being historically the best ever when he, you know what I'm saying? So it's Tony, Tony was playing against that Aaron Rodgers when they played the Green Bay Packers. So, right. You know, Dak, Dak is getting, the, he's getting the lesser of Aaron Rodgers. Cause that, that was the 2014 Aaron Rodgers. I don't think they would have won that game. <laughs> but here's the thing. Like we, we talk about Aaron Rodgers and him slipping and everything. And he's had, you know, he doesn't look like the Aaron Rodgers that we all know and love. But at the same time, like, if you look at his numbers last year, it was, like, it was 31 touchdowns and eight, eight interceptions. So, if like, if you yep. didn't watch him play, you would think, looking at the numbers, that he had a great year. But it wasn't yeah. a typical Aaron Rodgers year. And even this year, I mean, what, 10 touchdowns, four interceptions? I mean, I, I think it's a little bit of panic going on, kind of yeah. some crazy talk at this point. Aaron Rodgers isn't done. He's still big time. No, no. He's still going to no, turn no. around and have a big time season. He's not done. Who, who said he was done? Who, I'm who, just saying. Said, oh, I was about I'm, to say, you getting calls on the radio that he's done? I mean, yeah. done, done might be a little bit a little extreme, but at the same time, <laughs> you got people just talking and talking and talking. I think it's just hype. I mean, I, could you remember a few years back when Tom Brady got off to that slow start? And then everybody yeah. talked about him being done. Yep. I, he's not yep. done. I, heck no, man. That dude right there, 
I need I need to drink the water that he drinks. Whatever he's drinking, I want to be drinking that when I'm 35. Whatever how old he is, I want to be drinking that because he's like 32. He's better now. He's 31. 32. Like he's only 32. Only 32. Wow. He, why does he seem? I guess he has an old soul. To me, he seems like he's about late 30s. It's kind of weird. Um. <laughs> anyway, but. Yeah, man, I feel like he's better now than he was during those during those Super Bowl win seasons. I don't know. That's just that's just me, man. He's he's he dude is he's a monster, man. He has the best coach in the in the game, the best coach in the game. I I have nothing but respect for that guy. As much as I want to hate him, I can't. I'm just like, man, I want to hate you, Brady. I want to hate you. Oh, you talking Brady? Oh, wife. Brady. Brady's thirty nine. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I thought whenever uh, you, did you bring up Brady? You said, uh, no, I, I was talking about Brady in that year, I think it was 2013, where he got off to that slow start and everybody was talking and talking and saying he might be done. And, and this might be a similar situation with Aaron Rodgers here at this point. Yeah, that's, that's why I got on the Brady rant. I was like, that guy, you know, I was like, because, yeah, he's 30. He, you said he's 39. 39? 39, yeah. Um, yeah, so I said, I want whatever he's drinking when I'm that age, I want some. Is he playing better now? <laughs> <laughs> than he ever has, man. It's crazy. It's really, it's, it's amazing. It's a testament to his greatness, man. And he's still big time, still balling, still one of the best quarterbacks in football, man. And that's crazy. At 39, at some point, Yo. the father time wins all the time, so just a matter of time. What you? So what do you think about Odell Beckham? You think, you think it's a T.O. in the making, or do you think that or do you do you like what his his his, his approach to the game? Here's the thing: he's big time. I mean, his his numbers are big time. He's big time, but at the same time, even though he's big time, he's got to rein it in a little bit. I mean, you're you're hurting your team when you take your helmet off and cost your team 15 yards, and it almost cost them that game. It almost cost him that game. I mean, it, he's highly emotional. And to your point, maybe he is at this point a poor man's T.O. And as he gets older, maybe it might get worse. But at the same time, maybe the Giants can rein him in just a little bit. But I also think here's the thing about Odell Beckham. He's one of those guys, I think, he has to have that emotional side to him in order for him to be effective, in order for him to be great. He's mm-hmm. got to have that emotional yeah. side, I think. So you got to be I careful agree. in terms of reining him in, because you can't rein him in too much, but you got to rein him in enough. Yep. I'm, I'm, I, I agree with you. That's the thing, man, because, you know, being a former athlete, it's like you can't so – everybody plays different, you know, uh, you have Amari Cooper who doesn't say anything. You got Steve Smith who's going to talk. He's going to let you know what he's doing. It's like if you took away Steve Smith's mouthpiece, he wouldn't be Steve Smith. Right. If you took away and told him he can't react that way, he would not be what people look at today and revere and, and, and respect and, and talk about as a Hall of Fame caliber receiver. It's just you wouldn't. And I think that Odell Beckham, he needs to learn, like you said, he just needs to learn how to – to manage, to balance that aggression and that attitude to make his, his play 
as effective and, and you know proficient as he can. And he just has to. He, the thing is, he does stuff. I think he's so so stuck on me, me, me attention that when he does stuff outside of when he's isolated out there and the camera catches him, that's where he messes up. You know, I think that's the problem is that he he he's so used to like I need to be the attention. Um, even when it when it's good and when it's bad, you know what I'm saying. So he doesn't know yeah. how to actually get away with those little um, those little small. Well, I shouldn't call them small. Some are big, but yeah, I, I would say they're small. Like just you know those little fights because everybody does them. But he takes his to another level. He may take he may do he may do it a little a three seconds longer than it should, you know, or you know do what you got to do and run back to the huddle. But he has to make sure everybody in the stadium knows what he just did. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to punk me. I'm, I, I got to make sure whatever we're doing is going to last three seconds after the whistle. It's just, he does stuff like that. But I think, like you said, you have to let him stay in that aggressive mode, that aggressive mode, and he has to keep that edge because that's, that's what makes him the phenomenal talent he is outside of his athletic ability. That dude is he's, he's competitive, man. I love it, man. I love watching him. I love seeing him go at it. I, I just love a receiver that talks crap. And then at the same time, it's just like, what's up? Let's go. Stop me. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, that's my favorite receiver of all time. I don't care what nobody says about that guy. He is my favorite receiver of all time. I Jeff Rice is the GOAT. Love him, man. Love that I dude, love man. He's, he's, I, don't, I don't get the people who are saying Randy Moss is better than T.O. Randy Moss is a top five receiver of all time. But just to me, I'm a T.O. dude. I'm going to be a T.O. dude forever. He, Hey, that dude is a dog. I, I love it. So for sure, all you T.O. haters, back off. <laughs> but let me ask you this: I mean, you're a wide receiver. I mean, are all you guys divas? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, if you ask, if you ask, probably my teammates and my coaches in college, um, the, the answer would probably be, yeah. But I, I got a but in there, man. I, I worked my I worked my butt off I worked my butt off and um, but you only get so many chances I mean I and when I was in college we were a running team for the most part um, okay I only got a, I only got so many chances man and when I was in when I was in high school we were a balanced team but you only get so many chances and you only and if the, if say if you get five eight balls thrown to you that game and the quarterback was off on three of them you know like three three balls of bad passes so you got five chances to make something happen. You, you got to, man, you got to be a diva. You got to have that swag. You got to have that aura about you, man. You can't be just like, yeah, if I get the ball, cool. Nah, 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 nah. You name me one receiver that's like that and, and is, is productive and who is good and who's looked at as like one of the best in the game. You name me one that is like that. I'll wait. <laughs> so basically what, you're wait. Tell, basically what you're telling me is all you guys are divas. <laughs> And I, I, I don't like that word, man. I don't like that word. <laughs> so maybe all you guys, okay, you're not divas, but you like to get the ball thrown to you. I mean, we like to make plays, man. It's, I don't call it some. Some of them are a little more divas than others. I call this. This is the way I define a diva. A diva is somebody who is not going to compete when the ball is not coming to them. A diva okay. is somebody who is all about me. A diva is somebody who. You know, like, 
Like, like, when you think of a diva, all the attention's on me. It's all about me. If I'm not playing well, then it doesn't matter. Like, so that's why some people perceive Beckham to be a diva because they're winning and he's still complaining about his stats. Um, right. And that's a, that's a diva to me. A diva is somebody, it's not really about the team. It's about how good do I look? Yeah. <laughs> how do people look at me? You know what I'm saying? Like, look at my clothes. Look at, like, to me, Deion Sanders is the best cornerback at, and I, I, I would put De, I would put Dion in that diva category, even though he's the best of all time. Because okay. it didn't matter with Dion, man. He, it, it was all about Dion, and that's what makes prime time prime time. But <laughs> Dion was a he was a little diva. But then you got like Jerry Rice. You, you think Jerry Rice didn't want the ball? You daggone right, he wanted the ball. He pounded on the sidelines at times too. They all do. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I you know I should stop before I you know before I you know yeah you're right. Now, let me just shut up. Everybody, I think I think any athlete is a, it has some diva qualities about them. But I, I, okay. I look, it, I, it doesn't it doesn't bother me because if you don't if you don't got that if you don't have that quality about you that you want to be the best and you want to and you want to shine, you probably not going to be the best, man. Because look at Tom Brady. I mean, sure. yo. That dude right there, he he his competitive level is on a whole. People, some people don't like his his his, his vibrato. Like people don't like how he is, how he carries himself, and how he talks. And you know, they think he acts like he's better than. But when he gets on that field, he shows it, and it's because of that swag. Because of that swag, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so so before, we, so before we get out of here, uh, let me ask you this: yeah, Do you up? think at any point in time? That you will ever meet Dr. Dre. Ah, you know what, man? I'm gonna be honest with you. You're the first person that's asked me this question. I have met Dr. Dre. Okay. I have met Dr. Dre at the gym on numerous occasions. I've spoken to Dr. Dre. Um, he's that's that's what I'm saying, man. That's why you asked me that. This playing this role and and learning more about him in this particular light is going to affect and, and mold the way I'm going to view him now. And that's why I said no, because the guy that I know, the guy that I've met, and the guy that has presented himself to me has been nothing but a, uh, a nice guy, charismatic, thoughtful, um, go out of his way to say hi. Not many celebrities, male, you know, they, not many celebrities do that. Nobody, not many celebrities go out of their way to say, ask you how's it going, say what's up, see you across the room, wave their hand, you know, he he did that. I, I go to Equinox in L.A. and and he used to come here and I used to see him. He used to always say what's up. So it kind of it kind of it kind of uh, hurts for me to have to play this role, but it's art for me, man. So I, I left my personal. I have to. I gotta leave my personal set aside because it's it's nothing personal with me, and I don't look at him any differently. I still respect the man. I think he's the best of all time when it comes to producing. And and that's the way that's where I leave it. And, and the relationship Michelle and Dre had, that's that's them. So and that's their past and, and that's their issue and that's something that they have to live with. But I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to bed at night. I don't want people to look at him like that because I want people to understand that this is twenty five years ago. We all have a past and this exactly. is just an, an, a piece a piece of art that we're that we're showing and that hopefully that 
kids and, and women and men who have been through domestic violence that they can learn something. Maybe this could help them if they, if they ever encounter it and, and they can make better decisions and they can know that it's not right because a lot of people that have gone through domestic violence does not, they don't understand that it's, you know, it's not right. You know, like Misha Leahy, you know, you watch the movie, she, she, her grandmother was telling her, oh, that's what men do. You know, if a man doesn't hit you, he doesn't mean he, it means he doesn't love you. And which a lot of people feel as if a lot of people that have gone through that's actually really how they feel. And it, as much as it's hard to say to me, me to understand and, and anyone else who's never lived it or knows someone who's ever lived that, that's, it's, that's reality, man. And that's really the, the thought or process of a lot of um, domestic um, abusers. You know, that's, that's what, that's their mindset. They really feel as if that person loves me. That's why he's hitting me. It's crazy. And it's, and it's, it's mind-blowing that that's the mentality of, of victims. And so I don't, I don't, I, I don't look at Dre in any way other than he, it was his past. And I can't get, and I get caught fair. up in it, man. Yeah. So. I think that's fair. But he's a good dude, man. I, I want to say that I know, so I'm guessing now, you know, he, he knows that I'm playing this role. I'm not sure if he remembers that it was me from the gym. But all I can say is, man, I still respect the guy. Um, and I wish that people would have the same, um, the, the way, have the same heart that I'm, I'm giving to it and understand that it's his past, man. And forgive the man and just learn something from the film. That's the, that's the best thing that we could all get from this. Let everything else that, be. Sounds good, man. Definitely. So, fans, make sure, you know, if you haven't seen the movie, it's on Lifetime yeah. somewhere. At some point in time, check your local listings. <laughs> You know, watch on demand. Watch. Just watch and support this man. Hit him up on Twitter at C underscore Hamilton 15. Facebook, Curtis Hamilton 15. And support all the great things going on with actor Curtis Hamilton. Instagram. Instagram is the Curtis Hamilton. So I'm, I'm, I'm mostly on Instagram. But I, my uh, Facebook is connected to my Twitter. So my Facebook, whatever I post on Facebook, goes to Twitter. But I'm really on Instagram, but you can catch me all those places, man. And uh, I, and hopefully I got some exciting stuff to come for you guys. And please, please follow. And hit me up, man. I, I, re- I try to respond to as much people I can. So if you got any questions, you want, you want to ask me something, holler at your boy. <laughs> for sure. Curtis, absolute pleasure talking to you. Wish you nothing but sure, the best man. of luck moving forward. Would love to do it again. Take care. Hey, man, you too, man. God bless you. And uh, let's go Cowboys. <laughs> Boy, bye. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, why, look, y'all gonna be home this year, and we're gonna be in those playoffs with Dak Prescott. Remember that? I'm putting it on record. Dak Prescott taking us to the playoffs, and we actually gonna win a playoff game. And I'm out. Curtis Hamilton. Pleasure talking to him. Wish him nothing but the best of luck moving forward. I want to thank Curtis Hamilton. For stopping by. I also want to thank Stephen Meads for stopping by at the Philadelphia Eagles. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pgant, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at go for it, Gant. For everybody here, go for it. We hope 
You have a great weekend. See you later. Take care. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.